It's great to be here. It's great to be back here, actually, because um, I was uh, many years ago working for the Bishop of um, Kensington, West London, and this church was in vacancy. And my husband and I, um, there's some nodding. Oh, hello. Oh, no. Hello. Oh, good to see you. So good to Oh, my gosh. Hello. Um, and uh, we kind of um, just walked and journeyed alongside this um, wonderful church uh, for a little um, amount of time uh, before Nicola and Richard arrived. And uh, it was like liftoff after that. Um, so it's a church close to my heart. I'm now vicar St. Paul's Dorking in Surrey, sort of along from Guildford. Uh, an hour and a half by car this morning, so <laughs> it's not that far away, but anyway, um, and uh, so thank you for having me. I want to talk about courage. Uh, it was interesting, our opening song was um, Through the Storm, um, and we've got a storm in our reading this morning, Mark 6, and I've been thinking a lot about courage. Bill Hybels talks about in, in every season as you're leading your church, what is, um, what is the value that the Spirit is asking you to put heat underneath? Is it generosity? Is it hospitality? Is it holiness? What's, and I love that. I think that's really good. What, what value are you putting heat, putting that Bunsen burner under? And at the moment, um, in my church, it's the value of courage, courageousness, um, and um, for me personally as well. And I think um, courage unlocks what we need personally as disciples and also as church leaders um, to grow in courage every time a, a a disciple of Christ or a community of believers grow in courage, the kingdom of God expands and extends. It just does. So courage is a good. Mark 6 um, is one of the few times that Jesus specifically commands his followers to have courage. Uh, So it's a famous story. You might want to look it up on your phones. Um, We're not going to read the whole thing. Is that a Bible? Is it? No. No. There's one, Mark 6. Oh, bless you, Jeff. This is Jeff. He's, um, he's from my church as well, Mark 6. So it's been a crazy busy day. And where are we? Death of John the Baptist, feeding of the 5,000, and then Jesus walks on water. So we're not going to read the whole thing. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida while he sent the people home. And after telling everyone goodbye, he went up in the hills by himself to pray. So we're at the very end of Mark 6, verse 47. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. And he saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. He intended to go past them. It's curious. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him, and Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. And we know what happens next. I like Mark's account very much. In Matthew, we get the next bit of Peter walking on the water. But Mark, we believe, was written by um, uh, Mark, who followed Peter's teaching. And so I'm quite fascinated because I think when Peter recounted this story to people as he went around teaching, he left himself out of it. And I love that because it wasn't about Peter and look and see what I got to do. Peter's, I reckon, recounting of this is, let's concentrate on Jesus and what Jesus got to do. Um, 
The disciples, I mean, it's been a crazy day of ministry. Um, it starts with Jesus' cousin being beheaded. Um, and of course, Jesus needs to go away to pray by himself. And then there's this whole feeding of the 5,000, an exhausting day of ministry. And finally, the evening comes. We know from John's gospel, it's Passover, so it's a full moon. So in my mind, it doesn't say this in the scriptures, in my mind, he can see clearly. He's gone up, Jesus has gone up to the hills to pray, and the full moon, he can see clearly as this scene on the lake below him pans out. And the the disciples are off in the boat heading, because that's the shortest and quickest way to get back to the town, is head over the lake. Verse 48, the storm has blown up, they're in trouble. Verse 48, um, my translation has, they're straining at the oars. Um, KJV says, Jesus saw them toiling in rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. Which I think is brilliant. Um, I don't know, anyone else a rower here? Anyone? Yeah! Kindred spirits, rowers, rowers, all over the place. Um, I was a rower for many years, um, started off in Bristol and kind of worked my way, eventually um, uh, rode at Oxford and then moved to London and rode at Putney Bridge on the kind of um, tideway. And the tideway is a bit like Galilee where you can set out and it's this gorgeous morning. It's, you know, 5 a.m. in London and the city's just waking up and you're out there and it's just beautiful. But it's one of those stretches of river that can just suddenly all the conditions change and what you thought was this going to be this gorgeous paddle turns into a nightmare and we have one experience like that just by um, uh, Hammersmith Bridge and uh, it was really terrifying and this wind came and the waves were coming over and um, the cox said half the boat take get your wellies out and your shoes out and start bailing out the water and half the boat keep rowing it's actually suddenly you can't really believe that you'd be in such trouble in the middle of London but we were actually in serious serious danger and it was fascinating kind of study of human behavior because you've got the cox who's meant to be in charge and you've got these eight strong women in every way and total mutiny as everyone decided that a different course of action would now be the best thing to do and I was as bad as anyone with my own plans it was awful Um, and uh, so there was mutiny I know what it feels like to be straining at the oars and the disciples you know some of them experienced fishermen and late Galilee dwellers they're losing control The thing I want to note about this for us this morning, they're only in the boat because Jesus told them to get in it. And I feel that sometimes in ministry and church leadership, the storms come and the wind and waves and it's an absolute battle and we're losing control and we're straining at the oars. Um, And actually it's because um, we've been obedient. Uh, It's not because of disobedience that that's the case and things are awful and unmanageable and you're blown off course but you have actually done what it was that Jesus told you to do you're not actually out oddly you're not outside of his will does that make sense Um, and one of the good things about a fellowship of leaders like new wine groups like this is that we can have that culture of honesty and vulnerability and I hope that we can say to each other things are awful, it's out of control, I've been blown off course, it's an absolute battle. Um, And even though I do feel I'm in line with God's will on this one, it's it's a real struggle, the storm has come. Straining at the oars, the straining word, bazanitso, it's just the best Greek word there is, bazanitso. 
And that's for testing and toil, straining at the oars is a time of testing and toil. And actually, Bazanitso, originally, it's a rock, and you use it to check out the purity, to determine the purity of gold or silver. So you can strike a piece of gold with Bazanitso, and, and uh, the, the quality of the kind of mark left behind, you can tell how pure the gold is. So there's an entirely different sermon about pressure testing and times of that, that toil and pressure in ministry um, is purifying. So we'll hold that thought. Um, but it was certainly hard work. And I think, you know, we could say this morning that this picture of the disciples straining at the oars, it's almost a little mini picture of the church, I think, in the current cultural climate, whether it's Church of England or any other church. It's very choppy waters for people who are um, holding the line on orthodox evangelical faith. Um, it's, a, it's a tough time. And um, spiritual leadership as well. I mean, I just find it testing on every front, isn't it? Um, and I think unless you're in it, it's very hard for people outside of church leadership to have probably any idea some of the time. You know, oh, well, you only work on Sundays. and You get those kind of comments. But, but even close family... It's hard for people to actually have any idea of the pressures of ministry. I don't know if you feel that uh, you're straining at the oars at the moment. My husband is a um, a psychotherapist and uh, works with Christian leaders. And he was having a chat the other day to a psychiatrist. So the kind of the other side of the coin in terms of um, psychotherapy. And they were having a conversation about church leaders and, and the mess that we get into. And it went like this. Um, This guy, this psychiatrist said, it is almost pathological what church leaders face. There is no other institution in the world that would put so much responsibility on one individual and give them such autonomy in their role without also being sure to put in full training, support and processing space as well. And like the the stress, the pressure... um, we're, we're all of us, none of us are wanting to coast along. None of us are wanting to, you know, hold out until retirement day. We're, we're, we're driving things forward. We're growing churches. We're seeking God's kingdom. We're taking new ground. And there's a peculiar kind of uh, pressure, I think, that comes with that. It's extraordinary. And that can come from within, our own expectations of ourselves. It can come from um, dioceses, bishops, leaders, staff teams. It comes from congregations, put extraordinary expectations on their church leaders and all kinds of unhealthy projection that you're trying to live up to or shrug off ecumenical stuff you know what do you mean you're not coming to the shared churches together harvest supper you know it's a shame you don't believe in unity (laughs) i just can't do one more thing you know um civic stuff the pastoral pressure is relentless as well as as that um the desire we all have to, as I said, to grow forward and, and take new ground. And I, I sometimes feel very much that I'm there in the boat and I'm, I'm one of the ones straining at the oars. Um, I call it the overwhelm. Do you get that feeling? Um, the, the emails, it's just everything's relentless and you suddenly feel overwhelmed and actually the boat is sinking and there's not a lot I can do. Uh, and it's that nameless fear. Um, so it's the fourth watch of the night that means it's three o'clock in the morning and Jesus says has watched them struggle actually we've got to be honest about that he hasn't 
seen the first brewing of a storm and rushed immediately to intervene. He's watched them struggle. 3 a.m. he goes down and he walks out to them on the lake. Of course, they're frightened. Verse 50, Jesus speaks. And uh, this is what I would love us today to hear from God. Have courage, it is I. Have courage, it is I. Um, The word courage comes throughout scripture. Hebrew courage, um, hamats. And that's... um, that's a kind of boldness. There's an obstinacy to hamats. There's, you know, that be strong and courageous. There's that steadfastness. And it's a quite gung-ho. And there's time for that kind of courage. The Apostle Paul, it won't surprise you, likes the word courage. He uses parousia, a clarity of confidence. Again, we know Paul. That doesn't surprise us. The courage of your convictions. That's what he's all about. Both of them are important. This one isn't that. Um, this is not a courage where we flex our muscles and we kind of summon up from within great sense of boldness to kind of uh, plow on forward, um, bulldozing our mission action plan into reality. We're called to a vulnerable courage and a dependent courage. And perhaps that's the most courageous courage of all, if that makes sense, vulnerability and dependency. Um, because I think independency comes very naturally. But vulnerable courage and dependent courage are quite another animal. That's what he's asking them. So it's tharseo, and it's have courage. He's saying take heart. It's not a command to be courageous. It's a command to receive from him the courage that he gives. Take courage take what I'm offering you uh, strengthen your heart as a gift Um, and this kind of courage gives to them two things that the storm had robbed them of comfort and joy because I think what takes over with anxiety it's all about fear isn't it straining at the oars it's just a place of fear and what Jesus says is is receive from me the courage I give I need you to be vulnerable I need you to be dependent, and what you get is comfort and joy. That's Tharseo courage. And that's a supernatural thing, isn't it? When our natural response is the overwhelm, the panic, the pastoral load, the diocese. And uh, the sign language for fear is that. It's, It's what grips your heart. It's like a claw that grips. And Jesus says, you know, lay that aside, what I give you is comfort and joy, and that's absolutely supernatural thing, a gift of his grace. Why why receive it? He says, because it is I, and it's his signature, I am who I am, ego em me. It's the Moses, you know, well, if I go and tell the people, what name am I going to give you? And he says, I am, I am the great I am, I am who I am, I am being, I am the definition of existence and reality, I am. Jesus comes to them and says, Take courage. I am. It is I. God is here. None other. Not a great teacher. You've seen that. Not a prophet. Not a healer alone. This is Jesus in all his humanity, but Jesus in all his divinity. Saying, this is what my courage is. is is directly from God the Father himself. So that's all I have really for us today.
um, whatever we're facing. And, um, you know, some of you might be in seasons of ministry. It's just the sun's shining, the rainbows are out, and it's all unicorns and um, party poppers, which is great. So we celebrate with you. Um, But if there's a sense of straining at the oars, if there's a sense of the storm despite obedience, a sense of um, the overwhelm, the pressure, Bazanitso, take courage. It is I.